On today's show, I finally give into the idea that charging your clients hourly can actually work in some business models. It's still not my favorite since you get punished for being more efficient, but our return guest Joshua gives us an update on his business, throws some new challenges at us, and yes, convinces me that sometimes charging hourly just makes the most sense. See what I mean on today's episode of Freelance to Founder. Here we go. I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey. I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube. This has been really helpful and I, I think a good mindset shift for me. Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately. Discovering that I'm a founder instead of freelancer has been amazing for me. If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance2founder.com. We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Hey guys, you've got enough tough decisions to make every month as you grow your business. Picking your next great book to read should not be one of them. With Book of the Month, you can forget about the hassle of browsing through endless shelves or scrolling infinitely through an overwhelming amount of book options online. Book of the Month simplifies the process of finding the next great thing to read by offering a carefully selected lineup of five to seven titles to pick from each month. From gripping thrillers to heartwarming romance and everything in between, I'm personally really excited about this new announcement from Book of the month, curated audiobooks. Since you're listening to podcasts, I assume that you like audiobooks and you're like me, you're more of a downloader than a page turner. And this is your moment. I'm right here with you. I've picked out my selections for March already and you can too. Joining book of the month is super easy, very affordable. Plus for a limited time, new members can get their first book for just $9.99 with code CHIRP. Visit bookofthemonth.com now to pick your next great read. That's bookofthemonth.com with promo code CHIRP, C-H-I-R-P, or click the link in our show description. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee with Milo.co and joining me on the air today is my good friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey Clay. What's going on? It's a short week, Thanksgiving week. Short week. We are at recording least, the least, week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, at least, at least the time of recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Any fun plans for Thanksgiving? What are you doing? Just eating, eating, good food, eating, eating some more. Are you guys hosting? Yep. No, no, Who no. Else? We're not hosting. We're, just, oh. we're going to the okay. in-laws. At least my going in-laws. To the in-laws, because they live there in Austin, right? Oh yeah, they're all here. Yeah, <laughs> they're all they're here. All, they're all here. <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's Might funny. Have to edit. Maybe you can edit that out and post. Edit that out. <laughs> They're not going. I'm just playing. <laughs> nah. In-laws are, are, are never what, as bad what, as they are on TV. 
No, I'm very thankful for my in-laws in case they do listen to this episode. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, we're, uh, let's see, my parents are hosting this year, so we're going to hang out there for a day or two. Um, they live nice and close, so I'll be sleeping in my own bed, but hanging out there for a couple days and got some some of my siblings coming into town and the usual, nice. you know, lots of eating, like you said. So yep. that's how we show our gratitude in the United States. We gorge ourselves with food. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And joining us also today is uh, an old friend of ours from earlier on the show. We'll we'll give you a few more details on that. But uh, Joshua, welcome, Joshua. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, Joshua was calling from Colorado. What plans do you have for Thanksgiving this week, Joshua? We don't have any family in this city yet, so we are going to a Friendsgiving. Love it. That's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what city are you in? Colorado Springs. Okay, nice. Yeah. And listeners might recognize Joshua from a previous episode. Joshua was on the show, let's see, in I think in February. We talked a little bit about his business. We'll have him update us today, learn about a few things that have been happening in his business, where where he's been able to find success, where things maybe have been a little bit more difficult, and then where we're headed from here. So we're trying to do a few more of these fun update episodes with former guests um, so we can help you continue on your path to toward growing an agency, but also uh, so that listeners can benefit from hearing the things that you've learned. So, Joshua, why don't you kick us off? Remind us uh, about your business, the kinds of clients you work with. Maybe it's changed a little bit since we talked last, but get us and the listeners back up to speed on on who you are and what you're working on. Yeah, for sure. So, my company's name is Cresio. That stands for Creo Progressio, which is Latin for create success or create progress. And we work primarily with social impact or underprivileged business owners, helping them to get started and or scale up. Um, My background is in web design and marketing. And after five or so years running my own marketing agency, I pivoted that to business consulting because I saw that most customers didn't know how to measure their ROI if they even knew what ROI was on their marketing spend. And so my endeavor with building a roadmap to uh, helping people scale their businesses started back in 2017, and uh, my pivot happened in 2019. Uh, Fast forward to earlier this year, I moved to a new city and tried to build business in a new city. Originally, um, I was building my business in Charlotte, North Carolina. I still have clients Mm. back there. And the clients over there were mainly struggling with like staffing issues, um, you know, trying to organize their culture, leadership, uh, compliance issues. And so we work on a variety of different things with different clients. Um, But here in Colorado Springs, I was on the episode Clarity Matters back in February. Um, I had a hard time describing what my problems were and what I was trying to solve for my customers over here. And largely, I believe, you know, it was because I didn't really truly understand this market. As I mentioned, it was very political um, in the respect of like you had to know people to get into the business community. And so that was my biggest struggle is like, how do I penetrate that market, which was very, very uh, rare for me to see a market like that because I've built business in Florida and in North Carolina. And this was the first market that I felt was like I couldn't get into the country club. Yeah, I remember talking about that. And and maybe that's part of the reason we went with clarity, right? Um, for part of the conversation, which was like, how do you how do you talk in a way that people, you know, can appreciate what you do? And I'm curious what you've done since then, because I know lots of lots of freelancers or agency builders are facing mm-hmm. the same issue where it's like, you know, it's not it's not maybe as easy to break onto the scene as I thought in a new city or even just in my city. But, you know, now now actually starting a business, I thought I'd be able to build connections faster or get my foot in the door faster with clients. Like what have you found has been helpful? Yeah, sure. So I'll tell you a little bit about like the way that we resolve this for our customers. When a customer comes to us and says, hey, I'm not getting enough leads or we're not getting enough conversions. The first thing that I go through is the lean canvas and say, okay, what is what is the problem and how your customer identifies their problem and just revise your marketing to match the the solution that complements solving their problem. And right. usually that is enough with a slight differentiation 
to penetrate a new market. However, what I'm experiencing or what I've experienced here is such a different animal where now you have to know the right people in order to break through the noise. Mm. And so it took a lot of rack in my brain to figure out what worked and what didn't. But one of the things that I had on my heart was to do this one to many strategy. Like I've done so many lean canvas analysis and I was trying to figure out, okay, like how do I do a workshop model? How do I speak to a larger audience? So my plan was to find a platform where I could get in front of a crowd of the community and um, just share what I was doing. So I started off with um, an organization, a national organization called One Million Cups that has a chapter here. Oh, yeah, and nice. I sat through two of the pitches. So it's like two back-to-back Wednesdays. And then I was like, okay, I got a good sense of who's in the audience, like what are their problems And now I just need to build the uh, pitch backwards from solving their problems, the people in the audience. So so I um, requested to be on. They said, we got an opportunity like one week away or like three months away. And I was like, I don't have the cash flow to to wait three months. (laughs) So um, I'll be ready in a week. So in a week, I prepared a a pitch deck, um, like I said, backwards from solving their problems. And if you know anything about presentations and the conversions rates you get is, is an average between five and 30% conversion rate on a pitch or on a presentation. And I got a 34% conversion rate at the end of that. Um, nice. And that resulted in a lot more uh, business for us. We're, we're now up to 10 local customers um, since that pitch, which was back in May, I believe. Oh, that's fantastic. Are these, are these like monthly retainers? Yeah, those are monthly. We've had a lot more that are not monthly, but I was just counting the monthly ones. Did you did you ever you mentioned uh, at the just a couple minutes ago about um, break quote unquote breaking into the country club or not breaking mm-hmm. in but tapping into the country club? Yeah, um, <laughs> did you, breaking, breaking in. in. <laughs> did you uh, did you mean that literally? Like as far as like getting get in it, getting introduced to people who are actually members of the country club. Um, or liter- literally in the respect that the the feeling that is in the business community is mainly like you have to know the right people. Yeah. Um, but did you did you actually literally mean a country club though? No. Oh, okay. I was just no. curious. Yeah, I think it was I got a I got a country right? club. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was metaphorical or if, or, if, or if it was like like you actually meant a country club. <laughs> yeah. If, if playing golf was a necessity to business, I probably would be in a different industry. <laughs> oh yeah. Same. But you know, you know, you could, you could, um, if you've got a prominent country club there, like there, you can meet tons of influential people there and you don't Did have you to just golf. Hear... Okay. <laughs> you, you can play what's called a, a social club, a social membership. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that. That's how yeah, yeah. I am from that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. You just Most, like hang um, out at the club and eat sandwiches and stuff. And as people roll through golfing, you talk to them. What is, I pretty you, much. Like, yeah. You get basically access to everything in the country club except for the golfing. That sounds it, funny. It, that sounds great. It's a it's a lesser fee. <laughs> well, so I got I got a I got a country club hack here, right? So like, because all the who's who people are usually part of the country club. And so if you yeah. want to get to know those people, the, you know, if you don't golf, like just join a, a social membership, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you just go and um, you go to the bar or whatever, and you always order a drink, right? Order one drink and you do this, you do this like quite often, um, like just go every day um, and get one drink and over tip, right? Okay. Over tip. So if you order one drink, it costs 10 bucks or whatever, tip 20 bucks, right? Every time. And so you do that a few times and you get to know the bartender. That is the most important person to know at the country club. I'm I'm including members in this statement because the bartender knows everybody, right? So mm-hmm. if you if you over tip, you go every day and you over tip. It doesn't have to be every day, but very just be consistent. And you go and you over tip, he's going to know who you are, the bartender is. And then after you've done this for a few times, then you ask the bartender, you say, 
hey, if there's one person here I need to know, who would that be? And he or she will be glad to introduce you. That's amazing. I love that hack. That's, that's a, that's, <laughs> that hack at Country Club hack works. I promise you. <laughs> it's better than being like a random members coming up to somebody who doesn't, you know, who doesn't want to be bothered. You know what I mean? Like, hey, uh, I'm here. Like, I know she, my name's Clay. Like, who are you? Like, that's, yeah. that's awkward, you know? So Joshua, um, you got, you got a bunch of clients. It sounds like from that initial presentation, but has that, has that been like an ongoing, uh, strategy for you guys to get clients? Yeah. So, or what else? Yeah. The one to many strategy was, is something that I, I really wanted to pivot toward. So we ended up scaling our team a bit, hiring a couple more strategists to free up my time and then started, um, exercising some of the leads that we got through that Mm. pitch um, to do more one-to-many presentations. So, you know, that led to um, a meeting a radio show host who was well-known in the community and was trying to expand his radio station. And I said, hey, like, let me help you do that and get more uh, listeners and expand your impact. We had Mm -hmm. additional alignment and I was like, I'll do it in exchange for a sponsorship seat. So because of that, now um, eight people per week um, come into my office that are personally referred from this radio show host. And he says, wow. hey, this is this is Joshua. He's helping me scale my radio show. You should meet with him. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com freelance. That's linkedin.com freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You hear us talking on the show all the time about social media and the importance of marketing yourself online as you grow your business. That's because social has played a huge role in both of our businesses as we've grown them, but actually getting customers from your social accounts to your website and ultimately to make a purchase can sometimes be more difficult than it should be. If you need a simple solution, I recommend you try getting a .bio domain from Porkbun. That's .bio, .bio. You can put it in your LinkedIn bio. You can put it wherever you want to put it so that people can get directly to your website. We've partnered with Porkbun a lot over the years for two reasons. First of all, we trust them and they offer better deals on domain names than anyone else that we know about. And right now you can get a .bio domain name for less than $3 at Porkbun. So for less than a cup of coffee, you can get a short, memorable, and professional .bio domain name to share yourself with the world. Just visit porkbun.com slash freelance or click the link in this episode's description. That's P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com slash freelance and you can get a .bio domain for $3 right now. Wow. wow, that I mean, that's that's the bartender principle, right? You yeah. made a connection with someone who knows a, a lot of people, and a lot of people who have the same needs that you solve in your business. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so. So, um, how many of those? Like, if you have eight or ten people a week coming in like that, how many of those do you typically take on? Um, I'm usually soliciting at least one per week um, because we we're really selective about like that social impact, underprivileged. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I got my flyers up and and make sure they know who I'm who I am, um, and if they want to come ask me for questions. But a lot of times I'm behind the computer pulling up their their profiles, and I'll just lean in and be like, "Hey, this is what you need to fix um, in your business in order to solve your most urgent problem." And I'm and I'm kind of like in the production side as well. So I'm in the uh, 
the host's ear telling him what to ask the guests as well. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay, cool. Well, it sounds like you've got you got some really cool stuff moving along, and I'm glad you've been able to break into the scene there, break onto the scene in your new city. Uh, that's definitely always a challenge, but I think we've learned a couple of good things. So thank you for sharing. Let's let's move on to where your business is headed. Like, where do you picture it a year from now? And is there anything that you've been noodling on that you'd like to to riff on a bit with me and Clay, where we could maybe brainstorm some solutions or some ideas or creative problem solving, something like that? Yeah, for sure. So um, with the one to many strategy, I've definitely like got my hands in a few different fires here. Um, we've uh, networked with the ED of the SBDC, and he's asked me to come on as a consultant. Um, through the radio show, I've got an offer to spearhead um, a Latino voices. Um, my background is um, I'm Argentinian. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's this like rising group of Latino leaders. And uh, one of the Latinas that I met here asked me to kind of spearhead that. I'm also doing the same sort of sponsorship strategy with the Juneteenth Festival. Um, to get in front of like thirty to 40,000 community members this oh, summer. Wow. And then I'm also helping the Hispanic Chamber to reorganize um, in exchange for a top-level sponsorship. So I'm trying to focus on the underprivileged communities, the minority communities, helping them with the same type of strategy. Um, so I think, you know, expanding my team effectively without stretching my income is going to be challenging for me. Hmm. And, and why do you say that? Why do you, why is, why does the team issue come to mind first and foremost? Uh, so we're, we're growing, we've got like 10 new retainers. Um, so that's 13 retainers in total. I got two larger ones, uh, back home. Um, and then one in a different state. And then the, the, the amount of time that I need to put into growing the, the festivals to growing the chambers um, is going to multiply in the next few months. And uh, I, I forgot to mention, I'm, I was also invited to be a, a full-time instructor in the evenings at uh, an organization called the Thrive Networks. And they are also very aligned with our mission, helping to uplift the Southeast in Colorado Springs. And they have a, an accelerator hmm. program. So I get in front of 60 new business owners uh, every year that are um, uh, very aligned with the, the community that we want to help. Um, so I've done one cohort already and taught 20 different students, and they're about to complete their pitches. But I can see the impact multiplying mm. based on this strategy that we've uh, implemented earlier this year. So like, I don't want to slow down with the strategy but I need, I need to be able to scale the team effectively hmm. um, yeah. with my level of services. Yeah. What, what do you feel like are some of the positions you're going to need to hire for the soonest here? So, so mainly strategists. I think it's, it's hard to find people that know how to think on their feet about hmm. um, business and marketing strategy. So I've hired a former McKinsey uh consultant and then a former EY consultant. Um, and they've been really helpful to offload some of the work. Um, but I think, you know, tapping into those types of, uh, talent pools is going to be, it has been challenging. Are these, uh, on staff or are they contract contract full time or part time or, um, part time hourly ad hoc. And where'd you find these two? Did you find them? Yeah. Both on Upwork. On Upwork, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Do you think that's do you think that's gonna be scalable then? Like as you try to find more, or or do you think you're gonna start throwing into problems? Well, I mean the the way that we've priced our model is is quite unique. I have several people here trying to replicate my revenue model. Um, so we have a fixed ceiling retainer, um, and then we bill against that hour at our hourly rates. So hmm. our our uh, hourly rates are cost times three. So if I'm using a a strategist, I'm just making sure that they're under that cost. Let's break that down a little bit more for our listeners, because you know quite often Clay and I will say like, don't don't bother with hourly. 
But it gets mm-hmm. kind of complicated if you're trying to hire someone who already has, for example, like a, a really great Upwork profile or really, really great, really great background. Excuse me. Um, you, you know, sometimes you have to. There has to be some give and take on on you know what they'll charge, and they might not let you pay them a flat fee. They might require that you pay an hourly. But I love what you're saying here, which is if you have to hire someone hourly, because we just did, um, and I think it was a Q&A episode a few episodes ago, we did, like, if I if I bill my clients by the project, can I still pay my freelancers hourly or something like that? And we said no, right? But yeah. um, but it sounds like, you know, from what you're doing here, Joshua, I love, I love this angle because... Um, you, you can still make, I guess what I'm saying is you can still make it work if you have to pay them hourly. So let's break it down. So so essentially, you ha- if you have a client, can you give us some ballpark figures of what you might charge a client and then what you might pay a freelancer to work on that project by a client? Sure. So from being in, in business for 10 years, I've realized like most clients are going to argue with you on price. So to remove that barrier to entry to, to getting the sale... I say, you know, what what is your maximum budget that you can afford per month? And I negotiate on that maximum budget. Um, for me, that is um, really just a way of saying, like, this is to manage our expectations together because I don't want to bill over what you can afford. Um, but I do want to be able to help you with these issues. And um, we work really fast. So if something takes us 15 minutes, I'm not going to charge you for the entire hour. I'm going to charge you for the 15 minutes. Hmm. So we we set up a, a, a flexible ceiling that they can kind of uh, negotiate month to month as they need. Um, and let's say that ceiling is $5,000 a month. Then our hourly rates will bill against that up until we hit 5000 but never above. I see. So some months... They might pay your max, whatever their max is that you identified together, and other yeah. months they 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 could pay quite a bit less than that. That's correct. And then um, all of our uh, team, uh, all of our subcontractors are using Toggle, and th- uh, we're managing the mm. projects and the clients that way. So we're able to just pass that cost off to the client. Is that guy like? Is that guy like super complicated? Like logistically, we've, yeah, we've sounds. Build, sounds um, we've had to build a few different automated spreadsheets to to handle it um, yeah. with Zapier and Google Sheets. Like, um, it's actually working really well for us, and we're trying to develop some software around that. Mm. Awesome. But but it's part, that's part of your offering, right? Is because because you support. Um, how do you put it? You you always describe your clients this way, and I can't remember the words you use. In, Underprivileged. In, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you support underprivileged businesses, and so there's, you know, part of part of the mission of your business is like we're not going to rip these people off, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so because normally, not not that I would not that I would you know condone being immoral about your pricing, but normally you might say we're going to charge you a flat monthly fee, and then some months we might do a ton of work, and other months we might just do, you know, not as much, right? And, but you're just going to pay if, and then over time it kind of evens out. What you're saying is, I have these clients. I've promised them because they're underprivileged uh, businesses, they have fewer opportunities. We don't want to take advantage of them. I, I, you know, I built this this model so that it's a little bit different. I, I admire that. I think that's that's worthwhile and definitely like a unique a unique selling point. Um, in terms of an agency model, right? Most agencies will charge you that flat monthly fee, and then regardless of whether they work really hard or, or not a lot at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll still collect their monthly fee, and I've certainly certainly been the client on that end of a relationship like that, and it can be really frustrating on months when you feel like you're paying your hard earned money because you're a small business, right? And they're maybe not doing as much as you would hope they would for their monthly mm-hmm. fee. Yeah, yeah, I think this brings a lot more transparency to the transaction, and it really justifies our time. We just have to be expert project managers to be able to switch gears on the fly. And I think that's what a lot of companies that want to replicate this model are going to run into problems for. What are your thoughts on our argument is always, you know, if you charge by the hour, you um, get punished for being better at your job, right? If you become faster, you become more efficient, you get more results in less time, you actually get punished. 
um, because you're working fewer hours. That's um, an argument that I've had for the last 10 years. And uh, that's where I think the hourly rates need to reflect how fast you are at your job. Hmm. Yeah. Say more about that. I like that. Well, you know, for instance, I was having a conversation with one of my partners because we're able to leverage ChatGPT to do things a lot faster now. So does that mean mm. we get punished because we're able to leverage a tool that somebody else can use that tool, but maybe not to the capacity that we can? Um, and so, you know, our hourly rates need to increase depending on what we're doing. So we have different tiers of hourly rates depending on what we're working on. For example, oh, wow. I'm not going to charge... I'm not going to charge a customer to organize their Google Drive the same amount that I'm charging them to build a strategy using ChatGPT. I'm I'm having such a hard time because I'm going back and forth, like hearing the logistics and and me thinking personally, I'm yeah, like same. I would never want to deal with all these logistics. And then on the other hand, thinking like of all the people who charge hourly, Joshua is I think beginning to figure out a way you could do it that would make sense. Um, how much, how much time do you and, and your coworkers spend on the logistics of like time cards and I don't know how, how much, how much, what percentage of your time um, would you say is, do you have someone that does that for you or how does we, that all look? We work on it like minimally, like per month, I would say like a collective five hours, just kind of tweaking the tools that we've built, um, you know, it, hashing out some issues here and there. But for the most part, you know, the, 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 the tools are automated. So, you know, mm-hmm. I start tracking my time. I make sure that I'm describing what I'm doing uh, pretty well. I'm uh, putting the category and the client in there. And then I'm doing the work and then stopping my time tracking and then repeating that process. And the entire team follows that policy. So it doesn't get very complicated from a logistics standpoint. Um, and then the selling aspect used to be complicated, but we simplified our marketing and our, and our materials so that the customer understands like it's not a retainer, it's a ceiling. Mm. So you change the, the wording. The client to... yeah. Go ahead, Clay. I was going to ask if that, if that was difficult for the client to understand that concept. Yeah, it used to be. And then we simplified it. I was like, you know, we, we bill against um, your maximum budget because we don't want to over bill you to the point where you can't afford our services. And that usually gets them to understand that we're, we're in this together. We're business partners. It's not a, a client relationship as much as it is like we care about your bottom line and making sure that we're able to deliver enough results to get you a return on your investment. Sorry, I was I was muted and then uh, I forgot to hit the, the unmute button. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, like return on investment uh, that definitely speaks to clients. Do do you? Um, so during the sale, they understand that, right? Mm-hmm. Ongoing, because I, I assume you you bill monthly, right? You invoice. Yeah. Do you get ongoing? Do you get questions about the invoices after that? From the clients? Um, so we include the toggle reports with each of our invoices. So oh, they can see okay. exactly what we've worked on minute okay. to minute. Yeah. So, that, so that minimizes the questions. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with Preston. I don't quite understand the logistics, but like, I mean, it sounds like you might be the only person that we've ever talked to to make it work. <laughs> Yeah, to make it work uh, in such a seamless way, in my mind, like there's still yeah. a lot of management that has to happen. But I, I think you know, I love Joshua. It's part of your mission, right? I think uh, yeah. we always say like, don't charge hourly, don't bill hourly. But that just doesn't work with with your mission and 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 your brand and where you're going with it and who you're helping, who your clients are. So you know, you know this this goes this is also, this also brings a point that there's never just one solution to everything, yep. right? Yep. I mean, there's always multiple solutions. So everyone that's listening, just because me and Preston say you have to do it a certain <laughs> way, that doesn't mean there's not another solution. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. I think it's just important to know like what you're getting into, right? If you're going to charge by the hour, look at all the tracking and reporting that Josh Joshua is doing because yeah. 
that's going to be part of that has to be part of the process or you are going to get you know the reason clay was asking do you get a lot of questions is because you can't just put oh i worked 45 hours this month here's the bill yeah right because then clients are going to be like what did you spend that time on well how come you did 20 hours last month and 45 hours this month that we're not going to pay for that you didn't do anything different this month you know and so you have to be really careful Right, it, and you don't want it to become a negotiation every month. You don't want to be like begging for your payment every month or justifying your value every month. And that's why I right. prefer fixed because I justify my value once, and then I just have to prove my value every every month. Um, which I guess is similar, but but feels a little bit different to me. I don't know. What do you have to say, Joshua? Yeah, yeah. I think I've I've heard your perspectives over the years um, from through different people. Um, especially like in the creative scene, like photographers and videographers, which is where I started. Mm-hmm. And people always said, you know, don't charge hourly. And and I was against that, like, because I thought, you know, hourly represents my freedom for the rest of the month. Like, I don't want to be on call. And if I am mm-hmm. on call, I want to bill for that time. So like, if I'm taking a, a consultation call from a client, like I can choose to track my time for that call if if my you know, if I'm working for that person at that, in that moment. So, you know, you do have to be very diligent at, at tracking. And that's why I said, you know, we're, we're trying to develop a software around this because I think it's very valuable for people to see, you know, the time freedom that they gain by not being on monthly retainers. And then from the client's perspective, the client has more transparency in the transaction and values your time more because they're not going to use it, um, you know, willy nilly because they're paying a fixed amount per month. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I love it. I can definitely see the value in that and, uh, and how it speaks to your brand mission. I think there are also tools out there for anyone listening who wants to give this a try, or maybe you're already using one of these tools. I think there are tools out there like, like I think Moxie does this and I think, um, Maybe maybe Bonsai does it. I should probably look and and see, and maybe I can post something on the blog about it. But there are some softwares where, because they have the time tracker built in and the invoicing built in, it it kind of automates a lot of that, right? So like you just have to remember to turn the time tracker on and off, which I would be terrible at. That's another reason I don't charge hourly, <laughs> is because I would just leave my time timer running, or I would forget to turn it on, and I would be awful at knowing how long I've spent on a project. But um, but some of these software, like you can just turn on turn on the timer, turn it off when you're done, and then at the end of the month or how, however often you set your billing, it just generates an invoice, includes everything that you, kind of like how you include the toggle reports, right? But it, 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 I think there are some software that seamlessly do that. So I'll, I'll do a little more research on that, and maybe we can talk about it more on another episode of the podcast, yeah. or I can post something on the blog. But there's definitely options out there for sure. Yeah, toggle has invoicing capabilities now as well. Mm, okay, cool. Yeah, so, you know, with with technology that certainly becomes easier. I think the thing we're really afraid of when we tell people like don't charge by the hour is just um missing out on potential revenue as you get more efficient. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Clay, what are you hearing over there? I I know I know hourly is like a really tough sell for you. And I and I'm obviously more mm-hmm. on that side than not, but I don't know. Joshua's He's got some, some compelling arguments, <laughs> details, and processes here. But what do you think? I, uh, you know, I'm, I am, okay. So I'm a believer in whatever works for you. You keep doing, right? Doesn't matter what it is. If it's hourly, if it's, if it's retainer, if it's, if, if, if for for all things, all things in life, right? Like whatever works for you, you do what you you do. Um, I'm I'm on that side with you, Preston. In this, <laughs> I I can never do hourly. I was one of those like in high school, you know, when I worked I worked at fast food restaurants and stuff. You know, like I always forgot to do my my damn time time card, <laughs> and so I had to get the manager to freaking manually <laughs> right, fix go in that and shit. Edit it, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So like I can never do it. Like I will never do it. I will debate you a little bit, Joshua, on the uh where if a, if a client is on a retainer um and not hourly you don't charge hourly where you think you're just like on call all the time i will debate that because that's i don't think that's true i think i think that's true um and that could be true on either case whether it's hourly or or retainer like a client can still 
consider somebody on call knowing that they're paying for it in different in a couple different ways, right? Whether it's hourly or retainer. Um, I think it's just all about expectations that are set on the front end on whether or not a client thinks you can just be on call. Cause like, that's one of the things that I am very clear on expectations. I'm like, I, in fact, I just did a call this week, uh, last week. I mean, uh, I said, uh, and I am not unavailable after 6 PM and I am also unavailable on the weekends unless, unless it's a true emergency. And so like, that's just an expectations thing. I don't think that's necessarily true just because it's hourly versus retainer. Um, I, I, you know. I see your point, Clay. And since this is a debate, let me counter. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think uh, you know, that what you're talking about is setting boundaries with your clients. And I'm all for that. Um, but my, my uh, argument was that about perspective because if I'm charging a customer $5,000 per month flat, they're going to exercise my services to, to ask me questions as many times as possible versus every time they know they pick up the phone and call me, I'm going to start my time tracking. That's mm. going to deter them from calling me. Mm. And here's my debate to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about pre-qualification on the sale. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I mean, yeah. You know, it, it all goes to say that, it, it you know, uh, it works both ways, right? Um, it all just depends on how, how uh, you know, Preston has a, a way to run his business. Mm-hmm. I like to run my business a certain way. Even me and Preston, we, we run our businesses yeah. slightly different for sure. Yeah, we disagree all the time on on stuff like this, which I think is fine. And I I love getting the extra, the added perspective on how it can be successful. I think it's, I think it's really yeah. um, encouraging to people listening to go like, I don't have to build my business exactly like Clay did, or I don't have to build my business exactly like Preston. You know, mm-hmm. Joshua is building this thing and he's doing it his own way. And and like, let's get as many perspectives, you know, um, as we can. And that's what I've done as I built my business. I try to talk to lots of business owners. Um, I've learned something here today from Joshua that I think is really interesting, really compelling. Um, it definitely like presents a different payment structure than I've seen in a lot of settings and works really good, really, really well for your clients. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can see both sides I, being the mediator here in this debate. I can see both would, sides for you sure. Know, you know, I would I, I would be very intrigued to peek under the hood, like just because like the way you you talk about how you've automated a lot of things. Like, I think that's that's awesome because yeah. I think more businesses need need to learn how to do that and implement things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it sounds like you got that pretty like locked in. I mean, like you're obviously tweaking, um, uh, but I, I, I feel like you'll always be, you know, modifying tweaking for improvement. But um, but it sounds like you got that pretty locked in, which so like kudos to you on that. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we we love process reengineering and figuring out ways to automate processes as much as possible. So like the way that we're handling the time tracking right now is toggle to Google Sheets via app script and uh, using Zapier to to run that. So we can have uh, Google Sheets do most of the work um, and that ca- uh, cater- carries over to our monthly budget so we know which clients to prioritize based on how much budget is left over. I love it, man. And you know, we didn't we didn't talk a ton about hiring, scaling up your team through hiring, but this has been really enlightening for me. I hope for the listeners as well. Um, do you have any rapid fire questions we can help you with? If not, it's okay. I just want to make sure we are adding value to you as much as you have to us and to our audience today. Um, any any questions you want to bounce off of us? Hurdles you're facing? You've you've got a pretty good lock on most of what you're doing. It sounds like so. You you tell me. Um, well, I mean, this com- might come out of. Left field completely, but I'm also trying to scale up my nonprofit, and um, you know, hiring on the nonprofit side has been challenging through like Upwork mm. and any mm. you know. We're trying to avoid like paid job boards because you know it's you know being good steward of the funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so any resources on like nonprofit organizational hiring? Oh man, what that's a tough one. It? I- um, it's a, uh, nonprofit helping individuals experiencing homelessness to become self-sustainable. Uh, we 
build business models around their testimony, and we're working on a conceptual model to end systemic panhandling. Mm. Wow. I, you know, I, I've never had experience hiring in a nonprofit <laughs> setting, unfortunately. You know, same. I well, I I have a little bit of experience, but that was in a situation where we we ought, we did have some cash flow, right? And we had funds that were granted to us specifically for hiring, so we got to pay them, right? Um, is that is that the scenario with this? Or are you looking for like more like? volunteer kind of thing well we're on volunteermatch.org which is a great volunteer platform um with it's very low cost Mm. um but more like solid gigs um more like upwork stuff like that i don't know yeah and i and i assume the uh the rates are going to be like you're looking for lower rates yeah, I mean, Upwork is is pretty intermediate when it comes to those things. Mm-hmm. We're searching stateside on a lot, um, so yeah. You know, I know, kind of- I know, um, I know. ZipRecruiter does really good matching with like if you get super detailed on your job that you post, mm-hmm. it'll it it somehow uses some algorithm to like I've had success finding the right kind of person again, not for a nonprofit, so. But I would imagine it works similarly where it's like it can find out of all of the millions of people on it, it can find maybe someone who would be a good fit. I also wonder, like, I think it's important to keep in mind. Um, what's that? What's that? Uh, I can't remember if it's the founder of Pencils of Promise or Charity Water. But one of them said, like, it's important when you're working in a nonprofit to He's like, why do we classify nonprofits as nonprofits? Like, why do we classify them as something they're not, right? And so his whole philosophy was like, I'm going to run my nonprofit like a like a for-profit business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so something to keep in mind as you're hiring, right? It's like, yes, obviously cash flow might be lower than it might be in, in your agency or in a, in a for-profit business. But you still, I think this the same hiring principles still apply. You still have a budget. You still want to find the best person you can for that budget. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it's really maybe as different as you think it is, but that's not that's easy for me to say, having never done it. <laughs> no, I don't think it's maybe it, not. I not honestly, fair for me. I, I honestly don't think it is different. Like, and and take it for with a grain of salt. With my minimal experience of with nonprofits, um, I I don't think it's that different. I think at the end of the day, the only difference is that you, all the cash has got to be out of the bank account. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so that's. I, I agree with Preston. It's it's it has to be run like a business. Now I know most nonprofits are not, <laughs> right? Because um, it's it's ran by a, a nonprofit board. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no true like CEO. Um, I know there's like a there's there's obviously like a director, but I know it's different with when it comes to like leadership organization um, and the mentality of a, a, a board. Uh, a nonprofit board versus like a, a for-profit, but, um, but yeah, I agree with Preston. It's like the, the hirings, I would, I would assume it's a business and go that route, but you know, me and Preston have very minimal experience with nonprofits. Yeah. We just don't have the experience here. I wish we could give you better advice than that. What are you finding is the biggest hang up as you try to find the right fit for, um, for people experience? Like we, we have been running our nonprofit, like a for-profit for the last five or six years. Awesome. So one of the models that we're working on is actually the sustainable model to end homelessness uh, and panhandling rather. And uh, we are teaching the panhandlers about vendor entrepreneurship. So, you know, back in Argentina, you know, you have you don't have anybody with cardboard signs. You have people that are, you know, doing juggling or <laughs> washing windows <laughs> right. in exchange yeah. for money. So like it's all about commerce. Um, so we want to teach people in the United States that, you know, through purpose-driven mentality that they can actually earn more income now and we can make each intersection um, a, uh, a hub where we put on t-shirts with the on the individuals, have QR codes that the donors can donate through and we pay the individual a 1099 until they hit that $600 cap and then we can hire them part-time underneath the nonprofit. So it's a really an oh, open wow. source model. Um, the numbers on it look promising, 
um, for the nonprofit to be actually profitable. Um, but in order to get initiatives like that off the ground, it necessitates a lot of my time working with uh, key stakeholders in the city and trying to get them on board to run something like that. And so mm-hmm. we need somebody who is capable of um, handling a lot of operational management for the nonprofit. And it's challenging to find somebody with those that many types of skill sets um, in the freelancer world. Mm, yeah. And it's also maybe willing to take a, a more modest pay um, or a con or yeah. like, or like you work know, as a contractor. I think, I think in both business for profit and nonprofit, I think when it comes to hiring, uh, I think alignment with the mission mm-hmm. is important. However, I think it's even more so to make sure that that's very clear for a nonprofit, right? Cause that's what they yeah. have going for them. So that's the like that's the last tidbit that I can say about this is like I don't know how much focus you're putting on on that and getting the word out about the mission to to so, potential hires but I think that's yeah. going to be the key point. So we structure our, all of our job descriptions, all of our job postings based on the golden circle. So why how oh, okay. what? Yeah. Um, Simon good. Sinek for anyone who's is that, listening. Yeah, is that Simon Sinek start with why? Yeah. 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 Great book. Definitely check that out. Well, Joshua, I'm sorry we don't have more help on that particular question. Um, I would love to hear how that shakes out, though, over the next year or so. So definitely stay in touch with us on the uh, on the pricing thing The with the agency. Thank you so much for sharing your insight there. And, and uh, I think it's been a lot of fun to hear what's been happening in your business. And thanks for joining us on the show again, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you really quickly tell people where they can connect with you? Uh, maybe someone listening wants, uh, has the skill set you need for your nonprofit or wants to hire you and we become a client. Do you want to give us a quick way to connect? Yeah, for sure. So we offer business and marketing services um, for social impact at Cresio.com. That's C-R-E-S-S-I-O.com. And if you are self-identifying underprivileged, that initial consultation is pay what you can. So literally anything over a dollar is sufficient and we'll be happy to work with you. I love it, man. Thank you so much. I've been Preston from Milo.co and of course, Clay from GetDripify.com. Thanks for joining us, Clay. And uh, you guys have a great Thanksgiving and a great rest of your day. See you guys. guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and the Poglomerate. You can find links to my business, Milo, Clay's business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, the Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode. Remember to call in for your own episode at FreelanceToFounder.com. A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit FreelanceToFounder.com or search Freelance to Founder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance to Founder. Freelance to Founder.